Hello and welcome to Kenkai Commentaries. As always, I'm your host, Jack Del Mastro. And as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello, Jake. How are you? Not too bad. Did you, did you do a lot of research for this one? Like the kind of stuff they do at the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense? Oh, I did research the paranormal, but, you know, that's a conversation. That, I mean, I'm that and was incidental. So you can defend against it? Pardon? So you can defend against it? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there are things that go bump in the night, and I want to be ready to bump back, you know? Exactly. Is that what they say? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not exactly like that, but, you know, we're the ones that bump Fair back. Paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Hellboy is the film we're doing. This is the, the second episode of Hellboy. Um... Yeah, last week we talked a lot about the comic book of Hellboy, and... Well, not a lot. I want to clarify, this is Hellboy 2004. Oh, yeah, we got to clarify that. I I always just forget that, like... Cause, there exists another one. Well, I mean, I know that they exist. I just always default to this one. I just assume that nobody cares Well, I default about... to this one, too, but, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I just want to... Just want people to know. Got to clarify, you know. That's not to say, like, I haven't really given the other one, like, much time of day. It's just... This was kind of bad from what I recall, but... I saw it once, and it was pretty fucking awful. Yeah, so, you know... And you can't recast Ron Perlman. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, that's your biggest mistake. If you're going to do a Hellboy reboot, I I, I think you got to bring back Ron Perlman. Yeah. Just don't see who else can do it, man. I really don't. But yeah, so we talked about, like, the comics and, like, Del Toro and uh, the guy who created uh, the comic, or the character, uh, Michael McNola. We talked about how they were kind of like became friends because uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro like really liked Hellboy, so he was like, um, you know, got in touch like pretty early '90s, like shortly after the comic came out, and they were like working on it. And apparently, they both independently wanted to cast Ron Perlman. I don't know if we mentioned that last week, but like, they... yeah. Well, I mean, they obviously both knew. Yeah, exactly. So they were they were on the they were operating on the same wavelength. <laughs> Clearly. Um, Same way we like, we're on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So basically, yeah. So what we talked to finish the recap, what we talked about last week is the film was basically ready by 1998. They had mostly everything. It was ready to shoot. Ready to make it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ready to shoot. Because, yeah. yeah, we haven't talked about production, but yeah, they were ready to shoot. But people were not prepared. <laughs> At least that's what uh, Del Toro kind of. Um, like alluded to sort of i think in like the uh, um the commentary the deep... not prepared in what sense just like for like a superhero movie like this is pre spider-man you know this is like right yeah yeah it, it just That's you know it's... like not only is it like a superhero movie it's a well not necessarily a superhero well, that's debatable yeah. but it's a comic book movie comic yeah. book movie um it's it's like a pretty like dark one so like <laughs> Yeah. I guess I can see... Although I feel like by the time that it did come out, there was a whole bunch of shit coming out. Yeah. In that kind of vein. Exactly. I think it could have, like, jumped the, you know, it could have been the the first one out of the gate, but... Yeah, maybe. No one wanted to buy it, but maybe they were right. I don't know. Who knows? Um. Anyway, point being is, like, they w- by 2003 or four, I forget exactly when they started shooting, but they were, they were ready to go. Um, the studio finally pick them up and everything we talked about last week so as i mentioned last week the shooting schedule was absolutely insane (laughs) like like look at this it was they did six days a week 
uh, for 130 days. So that's only Sunday off, and they had no second unit. Jeez. Um, although there, they did use miniatures, so there was a miniature unit. So that was do you know separate. why they didn't have any second unit, or did, did Guillermo del Toro just want to do everything himself? I don't know. I think it might have been that, but the source for this is the uh, the DVD commentary, and I was reading it from a secondhand source because I don't have the DVD. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, that's going to be also a topic that I was going to bring up a couple times today. It's like, God damn, this is like in the this film came out in the golden age of DVD commentaries. I know. Man, DVD commentaries are the greatest thing ever. So great, yeah. so great, and there's just so much fucking like extra content for this film on the DVD. Yeah. But the only thing better than a DVD it. commentary is a laserdisc commentary. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have. There's not enough room for special features. But well, yeah, you can do. The there's the alternate itself. audio track on laserdisc. Ooh. Yeah. So a lot of times there's like director's commentary. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I was watching an interview with Ron Perlman when during the while I were shooting it, and he said, uh, "Hellboy is the coolest dude who ever came down the pipe." <laughs> I was like. <laughs> He definitely, could, you could tell he connected with the role. Yeah. He, he was describing him a lot, and he was like, he nailed it. You know, like yeah, the really. um, the kind of like everything we talked about last week, like uh, uh the kind of the storyline that uh, Del Toro and Mignolo were kind of envisioning with like the dual, like the you remember the labyrinth, <laughs> like metaphor yeah. that he like used, yeah, before he had made Pan's Labyrinth, but he like. Exactly. He made the me- like labyrinth metaphor, and like you know, he's choosing between good and evil. Anyway, the point is like Ron Perlman like basically summed that up perfectly in the same way that they did. So you know, he clearly was on this th- the same page. And just another thing I wanted to mention is this. Do you want to read this uh, this quote from Del Toro here? What that he says that Abe Sapien is the most beautiful creature committed to film. Seems like he reused that idea a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, he certainly did. He's a he's a fan. It was also Doug Jones, if I'm not mistaken, right? Was it really? Oh my god! I'm pretty sure it was the same actor. I think maybe he just has a thing for Doug Jones. Well, it's also like you know, uh, yeah, it's yeah, same so actor, same actor, similar costume. But it's also like you know, if you're gonna get somebody in a costume to be a fish, I don't. Like, there's not many people on my list. To be a fish man? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's probably, he's the top of the list. We're talking, of course, about, uh, what is it, The Shape of Water. Doug, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's funny that he, he said that earlier, because he, again, he returns to the, the concept of beautiful fish men <laughs> later in his career. But, you know... This film's not really about Abe. In fact, he's he doesn't. I, that's almost a problem with this film is Abe doesn't really play enough Do of enough. a prominent role. Yeah, like he's cool. He yeah, has a couple cool scenes, but I don't know. What do you think? What do I think? Yeah, yeah, I think he's a cool character, but once again, I don't know if we got enough screen time with him. It's like I don't know. I feel like this movie could be like two movies. Yeah. I think that kind of suffers from trying to cram. I think we kind of touched yeah. on that, but I think the more I think about it, the more it's true. Yeah, <clears throat> and I that I haven't watched the second movie in a while, but from what I remember, the second movie could be like fucking three movies. <laughs> yeah, as I recall, the second movie's not great, but um, <laughs> yeah, because remember this one? Yeah, this one's based off of the whole like the whole first cycle. 
mm-hmm. of Hellboy, which is a pretty big story. Like a whole comic cycle is not necessarily yeah, it's a the lot easiest. to get into one exactly one in a one hour and forty five minute film. Yeah, so I mean, it's always tough when like. I feel like every superhero movie has failed, in the, not necessarily in that, like, that. that's an overstatement, but um, a lot of them have failed because you have to spend so much time dedicating to the origin story. Yeah. And it's always this, like, difficult balance between how much time do I, like, dedicate to the origin story and setting up the plot versus, like, then I have to rush through all this other stuff. Otherwise, I have a three-hour movie, and sometimes you still have a three-hour movie and you still have to rush through a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But anyway, that's a that's a side rant. I mean, one, some superhero movies I think did that really well are uh, the first two Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of... Actually, that's funny. That's so funny that you mentioned that because I totally forgot about that quote until just now. Del Toro said about Ron Perlman, he's, he, he said, you know, he's the perfect actor to play Hellboy. He is Hellboy. He's like, he is like Tobey Maguire was with Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> And I just imagine him say if that, if that quote surfaced now, what people would think about that. Because I think that's a pretty controversial opinion these days. I think that's a controversial opinion. I personally agree with it. I think he did an excellent job. Yeah. I don't, like, I'd have to really sit down and sit down with that to really try and figure, hash out which, because all the movies are so different that it's like, it's really hard to compare Spider-Man. You know, yeah, like because you have to kind of, you have to, you have to separate the character from the film. Yeah, I I will say though, like Spider Man one and two, definitely my favorite, like fucking comic book movies. Yeah, they're very good. They're very good. I enjoy them a lot, and I like three a lot. Three is a lot of people hate three, but I think three is a lot of fun too. Um, with Venom and the Sandman. Good stuff. Anyway, mm. we're talking about Spider-Man now. Um, that's yeah, that's true. Just because it's, it's a good movie. We should do that um, someday, maybe even next. We should do Spider-Man 2. <laughs> I think we talked about that. Because I think it's the superior one. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good... That's the... That's, yeah, Dr. Octopus. Yeah. Um, anyways, we were talking about Abe Sapien. But, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> what, are you going to talk about Spider-Man again? Yeah. I was going <laughs> to try to bring it back, and then I realized I didn't bring it back far enough. Oh, I see. Yeah. I was okay. going to say 2 was superior because it didn't have to do the origin story, which we said that this movie spent a lot of time on. Well, that's the th- exactly, but that, that that's exactly. And the, the thing is, that's a shame that the second film in this series kind of failed. I have to rewatch the, the second movie in this series. Golden yeah, Army, I, I think it's called. I, I think it's called The Golden Army. Yeah. And I think there's like vampires or something in it, like something like that. Yeah, there's a lot of shit. Yeah, on. it's it's big. It's a big movie. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh the the makeup for Abe Sapien well not necessarily just the makeup. I think he was kind of the in charge of everything, so I don't know that he actually did directly the makeup. But anyway, Rick Baker uh, worked on this film, who we've talked about Rick many Baker times. Rick Baker is the man responsible for Abe Sapien. Exactly. He he did the creature like creature effects and the makeup, you know, mm-hmm. as Rick Baker does. Presumably he also worked on Hellboy too. Presumably. I think Abe Sapien is, is in some sense the better looking makeup though. Between Hellboy and Yeah. Why why do you say that? I don't know. Like Hellboy's costume looks like a bit too obviously like latex. Yeah, I mean that is true. He's definitely clearly wearing a costume. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, it's not like uh, um. Maybe that was just because they had to like bulk him up more. Yeah, I mean, they definitely did have to bulk him up a lot. Yeah. I, I think also he had way more like screen time and like you had to the makeup had to perform way more yeah. than yeah. Abe's did, so like could kind of make you know. Although Abe's had to be waterproof. The, well, was he actually submerged in water? Do we know this for a fact? I don't know, but there was definitely he. The costume definitely came into contact with water. So yeah, right. yeah, you're right. You're right. He definitely see him in water. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, Rick Baker did that, and when you can you can tell because that's kind of one of the best better parts of this movie. I think that stands out. I mean, you you have clearly have a problem with the Hellboy makeup. I don't. I don't think it's bad. A... I just think it's not as good as the Abe makeup. Oh yeah, no, it's you're right, but there's also less to do with it. You know, like he's red yeah, and he's got sideburns and he's got a big exactly. Fist. Like what can the you big do? Big fist, yeah. Like <laughs> what can you do? I had a question about the fist. Yeah, and I was wondering like. You know, you know how he's like in like a fight and like he's blocking shit with his big stone fist and then like little bits come off of it. Yeah, does that hurt? Does that that doesn't grow back? Does it? I don't it? think so. <laughs> I don't does does so. he just like constantly losing chunks of his hand? Is question. there a hand underneath that? Does hell boy's hand regenerate? Ten things to know about the right hand of doom. How he got the hand. Um, who the hand originally belongs to. Um, he hardly uses it. It's essential to his destiny. He wants to cut it off. It's useless without Hellboy. Ron Perlman almost wore it on his left hand. Oh, imagine that's the outrage we would have seen from fans around the world. <laughs> If for all the waiting they did to see their favorite superhero reach the big screen, his hand of doom would have been adapted on the wrong hand. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I would be if I if I knew enough about Hellboy to know that that was a thing, I would be a outrage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a fair fucking is 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 Ron Perlman left handed? Or no, he was gonna wear it on his left hand. Yeah. Oh, it's probably because he's not it's probably because he's not left handed. Yeah, so he probably had to do a um, lot of stuff. Right. Because it's probably a pain in the ass to do shit with that big hand on. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So does and that he mean w- he's holding all the guns and shit in his left hand? Yeah, I believe so. Interesting. Let's just, let's just Extra get an image of him that. But yeah, he's holding it with his left hand. Let me Google, is Ron Perlman left-handed? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I wonder First if thing in- is, is Ron Perlman dead? <laughs> Oh no! He's, I he's, don't think so. No, Robert—he's <laughs> doing fine, as far as I know. I hope I don't jinx him. I hope he doesn't like die right now. Check the Ron news. Perlman is left-handed. There you go. So that's why I guess they wanted to do it. So wait. So then, wait. What? No, that makes less sense. Oh, that does make less sense. You're right. He said he is left-handed. He is left-handed, apparently. I mean, who knows if that was true? I was just reading it from some fucking shitty ass website i've never heard of so right. could be that that's a false fact i have no idea i don't know enough about hellboy yeah hellboy i fans, mean please correct us yeah i mean yeah exactly anyway yeah so the the kind of like the shooting is is we kind of summed it up you did in uh how they shot it last week you know it's um a lot of wide shots 
because they're trying to make it feel like a comic book. Yeah. Um, tons of wires and cranes and green screens. Like you can tell, you know, when someone's being flung back by a wire. Like yeah. it still it still looks cool, but you know, there's a lot of that sort of thing. That whole subway fight was pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Um But yeah, so there was also a bunch of miniatures as I mentioned. Um and the guy who worked on it was a guy named Gene Warren Jr. Um who apparently is a miniature legend. <laughs> oh. Like true I should, legend. I should learn more about this guy. Yeah, well apparently he's his father also was a miniature legend. Um, yeah, let me see. Uh, and now he's he won a, the Academy Award for Terminator Two. Yeah, and now he, and now his son is also working with him. So it's three generations of miniature experts. <laughs> wow. So seems like a an actual serious expert. Yeah, like he he is a serious expert. Like so, what 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 did he build in the uh, in the movie? Because uh, the thing that crossed my mind was. The hospital that uh, catches on fire. Precisely, yeah, yeah. They built a they built a, a one sixth scale size of the hospital, and they fucking blew it up. Yeah, it looked pretty good. Like, cause when I was watching it, I knew it was a miniature just because, like, you know, I don't think that they would have done that to that building, right? Yeah, exactly. Because you know that was like I mean? a real building that they um, kind of showed, but. But not because I thought it looked like a miniature. It looked so good. Pretty impressive. And apparently that's because, like, again, these guys are legends, but it's because they, like, you know, they had the shot and they, like, matched the lightings perfectly. They tried to match all, like, the details perfectly. Um, the Gene Warren the third was talking about how he made it look aged. He was like, you know, you, you have to make it look like it's been through a bunch of stuff. So I would I would, like, you know... Just throw dirt on it and like go around with like a spray bottle and like just like essentially like put dirt on it and wipe it off just over and over and over again for like right. hours yeah, in like different cool. places. But like, like imitate the weather, right? Exactly. And just but like do it in weather the places that it is weathered in real life, you know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. Th- that's the difficult And then you part. gotta set it on fire. Exactly. And they they did <laughs> dozens of tests, obviously, because you only, you know, you don't want to fuck it up. So yeah, they had well, I wonder if it was designed in such a way that it could be set on fire more than once. I don't think it was. I, okay. I I watched them blow it up. It looked like it was a it was a pretty final thing because yeah, it, it was pretty pretty burst into flames. Tested. I I I was watching them test like the windows like blowing out because mm-hmm. they had sort of like a, a it looked almost like an air pump that blew the windows out along with the mm-hmm. explosion, just to make that look like, you know, as good as that, it could. That's probably what they did, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they want, again, so they, just dozens of tests. Like, they were th- fucking experts. Like, really, really cool. good stuff. So, as well as the hospital, um, there was the uh, the scene in the elevator. Yes. I, yeah, so nowadays, I feel like that would have just, they would have just done that in CGI. Yeah, definitely. But, like, as I was talking about in the last film, I didn't think the CGI in this movie was that good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I think the shot that that I'm talking about is the, like, it's a long shot right as he's, like, coming down into the, the, um, what's it called? Yeah, it just kind of reveals the whole area, right? Yeah, and you see, like, somebody else going up the other. Yeah, that looks really impressive. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was huge. Um, And it's only, like, one second or one and a half seconds. Yeah. (laughs) But... 
they did it again, one one sixth scale, and they, it was a puppet standing on the elevator. So for one shot there, it's actually just like a little fucking Ken doll holding a briefcase. <laughs> yeah, you've you've included a little close-up picture here of of the little guy. Yeah, and it's really funny looking. Obviously, at the distance that you're looking at it. It doesn't look that Exactly. It's a huge wide shot, which is why they felt yeah. comfortable doing it. Because, again, he's a fucking expert. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they also had, like, there's guys in the window, like, other, like, Ken dolls in the window, like, reading books and shit and, like, standing by water coolers. Like, right. And they're, like, you know. And they're just, they're still, right? No, they're they're also, like, kind of just, like, but they're just kind of, like, gyrating a little bit to make them look like oh, they're, okay. like, they're not, like, doing anything, like, specific. Like, the guy holding like the Like, as if somebody's holding an action figure and they're just kind of moving them back and forth. Precisely. <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. But, yeah. Yeah, it looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, the, there's the, the visual effects, which you said didn't look very good. What would What do you think the worst thing was? The Hellboy in the beginning. The little Hellboy. Yeah, that was probably the worst thing. I I don't know like, why. Like I love when they're showing it in the photograph. Oh, that is just painful to look at. It's just like <laughs> Come on, guys. It's like this vintage like looking photo. <laughs> and then you just have like a CGI character in it. Yeah. It just looks fucking terrible. So bad. They really <laughs> should have done like a puppet. Yeah, I don't know. They could have done a puppet. They had Rick Baker, man. They could have. I don't know. I think, yeah. Like they maybe didn't have they to just sh- wanted to do because it did all like sorts of fast movements. I think maybe that's why they wanted to do CGI. Well, they could have just not done that. They could just have it cowering in the corner. I don't know, like a man. Puppet. I don't know why they did what they did. Well, fucking Clearly, explain they it felt to comfortable me. doing it at the time, but now it doesn't age well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks it looks terrible. <laughs> It yeah. it's one of those. Th- I think that's the thing that kind of dates it like so much is the opening scene relies so much on CGI. Yeah, that it's like you, oh, like if you come across that on TV or something, like you're probably gonna like flip off if you're not into it. You know, they had like all the Nazi shit and the fucking World War Two stuff. Like if you're into that, you might stick around. Yeah, you're right. It, it, I mean, it not was if cool. you're into Nazis. If you're into like World you War Two. Yeah, World War Two stuff. Usually in films, that means usually that means Nazis getting fucked up. Exactly. Which is which is cool. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the fire? Like uh uh. The fire, it was fine. It didn't particularly stand out to me. Yeah, they worked f- so hard on it. <laughs> yeah, from what I understand, they had to come up with uh, their own sort of software to 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 simulate it or what. Yeah, I, like the guy explained it, but obviously I'm me. Had you heard him explain it, you'd be able to, you know, re- retell it a little bit better. But basically, he he said it, they started off with using fluid dynamics, mm-hmm. but that they couldn't like kind of get that to achieve the right look. So they kind of they needed to like bump up the resolution, and to do that, they had to. De- the, the guy just said they developed their own tools. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah, it, it looks okay. But it, they they showed this like test shot that they did apparently they like took like a go- glove and they just like put a bunch of different accelerants on it and they lit it on fire, <laughs> and, right? Like, and like had a person like move their hand around with it on fire. Wait, just, on, for real fire or the, yeah, yeah, this is the this is a test. Yeah, it was a test, but it was just like it looked right. like some guys in a camcorder, like <laughs> in a yeah, backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably, they decided that for safety reasons they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't think they were ever going to do real fire. I think they were just trying yeah. to get like an idea of what, how what to animate. Like. like it was the animators who were doing it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. But apparently. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm just gonna say apparently the hardest thing for them, the animation team, apparently was to uh, duplicate the set because there was a few scenes, like you say, like. Oh right. Yeah. To get the fire to like interact with what's on, what's really there. Yeah, and then I there's well, that's difficult. Yeah, that's the whole other thing is the fucking yeah the they rendered a whole they had to render a three D skeleton because like the part mm-hmm. of the fire effect on uh, is it Jane I'm totally blanking on her name I can't remember what her name is let me find out I think it's Jane anyway the like fire effect on her hand you can kind of like see her bones a little bit like because it's like you know lighting up her hand or whatever. Um, so Liz, it's Liz. Liz, what did I say? Jane. Uh, Jane. Yeah, well, she wasn't particularly memorable in this film, unfortunately. But yeah, so the, uh, for Liz, they like they rendered, a, they had to do a skeleton, like a full skeleton. They like tracked it to her hand. It sounded like a real pain in the ass, <laughs> um, for, especially for the time, I guess. You know, it's two thousand four. Well, I mean, yeah, to get it to track. I mean, I don't know, because I guess they didn't have like motion. I guess no, yeah. They, they you're matching it to an actual scene, so it's not like motion capture, right? No, no. Just... They had the yeah. They, I I was looking at it. They had yeah. like models that were like following the. So they probably just had to do it by fucking like frame by frame manually. Yeah, like rotoscope or whatever. Sorry, rotoscope. Yeah, or kind of. Well, because you already have you probably have like a rig for the skeleton, right? Right. Like yeah. making the skeleton doesn't seem like it was probably that hard, but like, although I guess you had to adjust it to match her dimensions right yeah especially when she was fully on fire um but yeah no like to actually pose it i imagine they just had to go frame by frame and match it exactly yeah sounds like it like animation work sounds like some of the most tedious work <laughs> on <Yeah>. the planet <laughs> it's like, it really does like i don't know how pe- those people do it but it looks awesome like it pays off well i mean they do it a lot faster than you know somebody like me or you would do it. Yeah, but still, still a tedious yeah. thing to have to do. Yeah, definitely is. Yeah, frame by frame. Yeah, yeah. Just the con, the idea of hand, like hand drawing animation, just like freaks me out that anyone would even attempt to do it. <laughs> well, but they did so much yeah, of it. They did. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess the animation doesn't really actually look that great in this film. It's pretty dated. Like, yeah, I would say so. There are parts that they pull off, but for the most part... They were probably really excited about it, too, which kind of... <laughs> yeah, I think they were. I think yeah. they were. It's probably why it's so prominent. They were very proud of it. It was. A, it seemed like a lot of work. Um, yeah. So, I mean... And it's a shame it didn't even look that good. Yeah. Yeah, they probably... That's That's the problem with early animation is, like... They put so much work into it. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't always look that great. Yeah. In the end. Although it... sometimes, like, you know, you get movies where it looks pretty good. Like yeah. Jurassic Park, yeah, for example. The merging. You really got to work with the uh, work on the merging. Sorry, the what? T- you got to work on the merging. Oh, the merging of the two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just being able to decide, like, what needs to be CGI and what doesn't, what it's it's about like knowing how it's gonna turn out, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, knowing what, what you can 
conceivably do correctly and what you can't. Yeah, exactly. And like making and that I think kinda immediately shows kind of the uh the flaw in this movie here with like they, they immediately didn't know that they couldn't pull off the Hellboy. The like baby mm-hmm. Hellboy. Like Jurassic Park wouldn't have done that. No. Also it was using like ten years older software. Yeah, exactly. And computers for everything. So I think they were less confident with their equipment. Yeah, that is true. That's basically all the production. The last thing was like the actual the scene with the fucking like zombie on uh, yeah. Hellboy's back. Well, that was obviously that was an actual thing that Rick Baker built. So it was kind of like a remote controlled thing. I think there was like a little bit of animation maybe on the face. Um, yeah, it looked like a puppet. But yeah, exactly. It, yeah, he was a puppet. It was that was pretty fun. That like one that. scene reminded me almost exactly of this one puzzle in The Secret of Monkey Island. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Which puzzle? Where you are literally carrying a like mummified head. Oh, that's hilarious. And it's telling you, it's it's showing you through a maze. It it <laughs> it reminded me of Chewbacca carrying C three PO. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was a really good scene. Like, um, it just looked really good. The snowing in the cemetery. Like that was, I think that was one of the best looking scenes in the, in the movie. Yeah, um, apparently that and so that was shot in uh, Czechia, Prague. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a real cemetery in Prague. Um, yeah, not in Russia where it's supposed to be. But is that where it was supposed to be? Yeah, it's supposed to be in Russia. Oh uh, well. Outside of Moscow. Good thing it's not. The cemetery was shot in Olsani, San. Uh, Olsani Cemetery. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. Okay. Olsani Cemetery. There's um, Olshani. Olshani. Yeah. Okay. Olshani Cemetery. Um, the largest graveyard in Prague. Apparently, it held as many as two million burials. Um, oh wow! Cause it, yeah, it looked really big. As like a, a, a like a plague pit or something, <laughs> which is pretty horrifying. But yeah. Um, Gotta anyway, be some fucking haunted shit there. That brings us to our next segment. Alright, welcome to the truth. Get to the bottom of things. We do research on shit. Well, Keaton does research on things, you know. So this one is this is sick. This is um, because the the cemetery they they shot it is actually like a haunted cemetery, like quote unquote. Oh really? Yeah. Cool. Because well, apparently Prague is like one of the most haunted cities on the planet. It's got like really s- so many like ghost stories, like an unbelievable amount. I was shocked to see how many ghost stories. Um, but specifically the cemetery. Um, here, let me just read a little uh, 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 from this paranormal investigator. Let me just read a little blurb from him. Olshani Cemetery is located in the district of Ziskov in Prague's largest municipal cemetery. It is a very large site, first founded in in 1680 as a mass plague pit due to an epidemic of the Black Death, which was destroying Central Europe. Uh, over 100,000 victims of plague were buried here between 1680 and 1682. That's insane. 
Wait, how many again? Say that? It says 100,000 victims. Wow. Jeez. Um, I mean, plagues kill a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So it's haunted by the ghosts of these plague dead. They have been seen many times before walking in a long ghostly procession, many hundreds deep, all displaying the horrific pustules and weeping. Like Associ- the pustules are weeping, or they're weeping? And weeping buboes, okay. or whatever, associated with the bubonic plague. Ugh. Yep. Jeez. This seems gruesome. Yeah. However, there are no gravestones above ground which display this legacy. All of the current graves which exist are from uh, Georgian Victorian times. Okay. It's a spooky cemetery. But yeah, that. so that's the... Uh, I just realized... I should look at the gravestones next time I want to watch the movie. Because I just realized they're all in Czech. But in uh, the movie, it's supposed to be in Russia. Ah, uh, good point. So I should check to see if maybe they... You should check know, just, to see? Yeah, I should check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should, yeah, I wonder if they just didn't look closely at them, or maybe you couldn't read them very well, but, yeah, or they just didn't know. give a fuck. Because I, I mean, doubt that they fucking relabeled the gravestones. Because that seems that seems pretty well. That seems also like very disrespectful. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So here's the second half of the truth here, because I mean we're talking about paranormal investigation. We can't talk. uh, We can't not talk. Sorry, a little bit about American paranormal investigation. You know, American government paranormal paranormal investigation. This Which, is the second time we've talked about this. I was just gonna say we're gonna we, we, talk about the Stargate program. <laughs> no, no, no. We're I'm gonna so we're not gonna cover like which episode was that again? It was the Stargate episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I thought it you was, said was I gonna talk talk about Stargate again? Yeah. So recap on that one. Uh, just uh, the U.S. government used to have this uh team of people called the Stargate program, which tried to <laughs> investigate paranormal things and and like other intelligence using psychic powers yeah but like they they focused mostly on the psychokinetic side of paranormal like they weren't particularly into ghosts and stuff although obviously they're open to that sort of thing but they really wanted to re-brand it more to yeah, like yeah what was that general again albert stubblebine he, oh, he yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. he'd be open yeah, to that general albert stubblebine yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah okay so, so is this uh who what do you know what group this was was this the defense intelligence agency again what do you mean? Sorry, what? What group are we going to talk about today? Was is it also the Defense Intelligence Agency? Oh no! Well, I was going to. There's. I was just going to kind of talk about just more generally. Okay, sure. Just because, like, was know. there a ghost? Like, you know, during World War Two. Yeah. Were the Americans like like researching like counter occult stuff? No, that's the thing. That's the thing. Okay. So that's that's what the kind of the first thing that's like. A little bit weird here, like in the movie, okay, rather, so, is because well, this whole thing starts with the Nazis. <laughs> right, so were the Nazis actually, like, seriously into the occult shit, or is that mostly, like, Oh, a... no, they were so into it. Okay. Yeah, no, they were okay. specifically uh, 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 Himmler was... Okay. Because he was head of the science organization. Okay. Um, yeah, quote unquote science organization, which was yeah. hugely funded. It had a, a a branch devoted to the quote survey of the so-called occult sciences. So-called is literally in the name. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's <laughs> translated funny. on Himmler's orders. Uh, 
SS officers raided German Germany's occupied territories for artifacts related to magic. They yeah they 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 were look they did seriously they were looking for the Holy Grail and and the Lance of Destiny it, like they were yeah the Spear they, of Destiny Spear of Destiny I forgot one or the other he was killed or or is it the Lance of Longinus or is that the same thing I really don't know <laughs> anyway the spear that killed Christ that's what they wanted. Because, you know, well, it do, it's super cool for some reason. And it goes so much deeper than that. Like, like this is all kind of like the, like, you know... Um, surface level shit? Yeah, because it wasn't just... They weren't just about, like, you know, um, biblical stuff. You know, they, they got... And, like, you know, surface level occult stuff. They got deep into, like, esoteric magic and, like, ritual okay. magic. Um, But anyway, the point of all of this is that the Americans nor the uh the Soviets really had an equivalent because they weren't as fucking They weren't insane. terribly <laughs> I guess they were probably like very happy to just let the Germans waste all their fucking time. Yeah, well dealing I don't know. with that. I think the thing is they weren't aware of a lot of it because apparently oh, okay. like after the war they like ransacked this one like uh, office and they found like a whole bunch of like documents about it. And apparently mm-hmm. the, the Soviets also have had, like, a similar revelation. So this right. basically started a cold war into, psych- like, psychic research. <laughs> oh, so then, so they found the Nazis were into it, and then they were like, damn, we're yeah. behind on this shit. Exactly, you know, we exactly. We gotta figure this out. Yeah. Both the Americans <laughs> and the Soviets were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, this is a thing that we gotta worry about? You know, so- we already have the fucking, the fucking missile race the fucking arms race the space race you yeah know? fucking exactly. now we gotta fucking deal with this fucking psychic now we race. have the occult race <laughs> yeah exactly so like <laughs> there needless... was an occult gap <laughs> yeah needless to say this is kind of when that the uh the you know the stuff like mk ultra where they started you know trying yeah. to you know mind control with mind lsd control or and whatever. other things Among... warriors and shit yeah tons of weird shit in the 50s like this, the CIA, like I don't know how familiar people are with like how, like much the CIA did in the fifties and sixties, like unchecked, like yeah. also stuff that we'll never know about, like just like, yeah. Anyway, um, but the stuff we know about is stuff like MK Ultra, <laughs> right. which is already bizarre as hell. So do we have any, like, specific, like, you know, paranormal-type programs that they were into? Like the Americans? I mean, like, basically the ones that are, like, come to light, like, are the ones that we talked about in uh, the Stargate one. And then, you know, there's the men who stared at goats, which, again, we brought up in Mm -hmm. the the other one. Did you you check uh, any FOIA documents? Because this shit, like, gets declassified all the time, and then people just don't even, like... Like, they so, don't make a big deal about, like, declassifying shit, but it just happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, when I, I was going through all those FOIA documents, I found a bunch of shit that, like, it wasn't on Wikipedia or anything yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I should go through it. I haven't gone through it looking for psychic stuff yet, but it would actually be yeah. a good thing. Because apparently, like, uh, uh, I don't know if we talked about this in, in that episode, but apparently um, there was a program formed in 2014 um, to investigate the existence... 2014? Yeah. To investigate the existence of precognition. Um, 
which is so it's based off of this idea of a staff sergeant, uh, Martin Rickberg, he who sensed something odd about a man at a cafe in Iraq. After clearing out the patrons, he discovered an improvised explosive device that the man had left behind. Whether it was an instinct or something more, researchers are understandably curious to see if there's a way to trigger that kind of insight. Maybe he just saw something sketchy and he didn't know exactly what it was. Exactly. I think they're just trying to find a way to like. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, can, can you that trigger seems like that? actually reasonable research? Maybe it, like exactly. You know, they like, might not necessarily. Like, I mean, although this is, like, kind of, like, a cornerstone of science, it's, like, uh, it, science is about trying to explain things that, it, that are observed, not trying to prove, not, you're not looking for the answer. Yeah, you're trying to explain it, exactly, you're just trying to see. You're trying to explain something that already exists, you're not, you don't have an answer that you're trying to, you know, prove that it exists. Yeah, like, I think basically, like, yeah, they're trying to figure out, like... <laughs> <laughs> the things that make your instinct correct yeah can, can you heighten that yeah but or can we explain like how he did that right yeah 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 i don't know just because like 2014 like damn that's fucking recent like just, yeah, i that's... always expect like this is shit that they looked up in like the fucking 60s yeah. and 70s and shit no, totally i'm imagine what they're doing now like i'm sure there's some... Imagine what happened to the fucking Trump administration. Yeah, and like, I mean, even if it's just like on a small scale, if it's like, you know, four guys with like, you know, $250,000 in like some bizarre corner of the government, you know, I'm sure there, there's some weird shit that's going on like that they're looking into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, and well, hopefully we'll know about it um, when they declassify all of it. Yeah. Um, when uh, uh, um, a true ufologist becomes president. Of we'll we'll get a president like like the Mormons almost got Mitt Romney. We'll we'll get a we'll get one in there one day. <laughs> We're working to the same towards the same thing. Uh, just um, just to be clear, when when Keaton says we, he means himself, <laughs> not both of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, sorry, I was, I was speaking for myself. <laughs> I was speaking for myself there. Yeah, um, but yeah, like, like, uh, that's the truth. Um, normally we we end the episode, but I thought we'd we'd pull her on back to Hellboy here a little bit. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And just kind of talk about just kind of like what happened after the movie came out, and then obviously the sequel happened, which we brought up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I thought there was this really weird fact that uh, Del Toro said on the commentary. Um, apparently, certain theaters in the South marketed the film as Hello Boy. Or hello boy, like hell oh boy, you know what I mean? It might right. be. I'm not exactly sure how you're supposed to pronounce it. Might be an apostrophe it. in there. Yeah, exactly. Like. Uh, exa- yeah, exactly. So it might be like that. Apparently, to avoid sacrilegious perceptions, because Passion of the Christ had came out like at the exact same time as Hellboy, That's basically. Okay. <laughs> like, like not at the exact same time, but the same same year. Right. But yeah, and there there was a lot of that. Like, I think there was a lot of like puritanical like aversion to the just the name the name Hell and the concept boy. yeah well because we were talking before with dc not wanting to do the comic yeah but that was like that was like actually in the satanic panic like that was yeah like, this is we're talking about 2004 <laughs> like That's you forget true. you forget how like real that shit still is you know like they say panic yeah. was like 
I guess it's out of the government, but it's still kind of in part of the fabric of of uh, of some places. I think that yeah, that's funny. But uh, but yeah, generally, I think critics thought it was fine. Like I think yeah, we, I, I thought think, it was fine. <laughs> well, I think everyone is kind of on the same page about this movie. <laughs> it's like it's all right, kind of fun, you know. Yeah, it's Whatever. pretty good. This is pretty good. Like, so we talked last week. They made what ninety nine. Almost uh, almost a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Off of sixty six million bucks. Um so you know, they, they I guess that's good enough to warrant a sequel. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So again, uh, two thousand eight is when the Golden Army came out. Is that it feels like a little while for a sequel to me, but maybe I'm just Four years? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it took them a while to get it done. Because it's like I mean, I don't know what, uh, I mean, Guillermo del Toro definitely had shit going on in between that. Oh, yeah. And he, I guess he was kind of, this is kind of when he was, that was his star was really starting to rise right about there, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And the sequel did, uh, did better, it seems. Yeah. Pulled in $128 million. Yeah, um, I mean, that doesn't necessarily surprise me, just because, like, you know, it, if everybody's already familiar with the brand, you know, from the first movie, you know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Why wouldn't they go see it? Yeah. Yeah, why wouldn't you go see the second one? Yeah, but apparently where it shined was in the home video sales. Uh, um, yeah. I, I can see that. And again, the, the first movie, that is. The first movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know anything about how the second movie did in, in home video sales, but the first right, one did yeah. really well. Um. And I think particularly that's because of the fucking special features the awesome I was talking about. special features, yeah. 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 It's like golden age, man. I really want to get a fucking start a DVD collection again. Do you have a DVD player? No, not right now. I want to get a DVD player. I don't actually life. have one. Yeah. I I'd like. I'd one. say Blu-rays. Just Blu-rays are fucking expensive, man. Like they are they're... fucking expensive. And DVDs are just like, you could just find them on the side of the road these days. You know, like they're so yeah. fucking cheap and they have so much cool... Special Wait, features. I think most Blu-ray players will play DVDs. That's true. Well, yeah, might be. I think I don't think they're that expensive either. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm really surprised I don't own a DVD player. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> really I have doesn't... a VCR, but <laughs> not a DVD yeah, player. Yeah, I feel like DVD players like right kind of at the end of your, uh, your retro fixation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like ends right at the DVD player, basically. Right, I see. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's that's it, really. Do you have any final thoughts? I mean, we've kind of we've kind of summed it up. It's... I think we've kind of summed it up. You know, it's a pretty good movie. I mean, yeah, it's all right. It's pretty fun. CGI is kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't age that well. But you know, like. I think it could have been great. Like it could have been yeah. like spectacular. I think all like, the it had. Sorry, I was just gonna say it had all the all the pieces. I think and all the potential yeah. to be spectacular just didn't quite come together the way it could have. Yeah, I wonder if there was any pressure to to make it a shorter movie, just because like an hour forty five minutes just seems like so short. Yeah, I mean, maybe, because, again, like, all this pressure, it's like it's already, theaters don't want to play it because it's called Hellboy. Yeah. Like, like you know, uh, maybe they tried to sweep it under the rug a bit, I don't know. Yeah, because you make this movie, like, two hours and 15 minutes, like, add another half hour on there, I think 
you know that's yeah. a you know that's a longer movie but that's that's a reasonable length of a movie right yeah totally i mean we think so <laughs> yeah i mean obviously i think fucking four hours is great for a movie you know but i mean uh, it sh- really should be but you should like there's has to be an intermission yeah well obviously you wouldn't mind a four-hour movie without an intermission right yeah that's crazy but, I mean, you know people want to spend i don't understand why people are cool spending like four hours watching a football game when they don't want to watch a four-hour movie you know well you know if sometimes if you know their football game has a lot of action in it, apparently maybe <laughs> so i've been told i usually start watching like you know the miami dolphins and then like yeah like i just kind of wander off eventually right maybe yeah. it's because they're usually losing because it's the miami Dolphins. well because they're shit oh they're, they're getting better this is their yeah. year man all right. I think we're getting a little bit off topic here, but yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. T- anyway, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins. Movie is... could be longer, probably not as long as a football game, but longer could than be. an hour forty-five. Could be, should be longer. Could have been great. S- still pretty good. Ron Perlman yeah. is is probably still the best part about this movie because he was yeah, just so the good only man who should ever play Hellboy ever. Really, like I can't like. If somebody better can do it, does it, I'll let you know, but yeah, I doubt it will happen ever in our lifetimes. But yeah, that's it. That's Hellboy Part 2. But yeah, we'll be, we'll, we will return next week. With a movie. Nobody knew. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for, for listening. sticking around. See you guys uh, next week. <laughs>